You're listening to the Hog Beat Hour with Andrew Hutchinson, Alex Trader, and Mason Choate on ESPN Arkansas on HitThatLine.com. Now, here's your host, Mason Choate. Welcome to the Hog Beat Hour. I'm your host, Mason Choate, joined by managing editor of Hogbeat.com, Andrew Hutchinson, and recruiting expert at Hogbeat.com, Alex Trader. Uh, on today's episode of the Hogbeat Hour, we've got quite a bit to hit because we got to recap Arkansas's uh, quote unquote spring game. It was basically a scrimmage, and as Arkansas weather does, it was moved inside due to weather. So um, fans weren't able to attend the Hog Fest. That was canceled. So that was an unfortunate situation. But we're going to talk about that. Arkansas got a commitment, a football commitment. Uh, maybe some more coming soon. We don't know. We'll talk about that. We'll talk about some basketball, new updated rivals rankings for uh, this 2022 class. And then we will uh, we'll talk Razorback baseball as well because the game starts on Friday, not Thursday this time. So a lot to get to, but we're going to start with football. Hutch, you made it out to the uh, the spring scrimmage, open scrimmage. I mean, you were struggling to figure out what to call it the day of. But just, I mean, what was that like compared to years past? I mean, did you like that? Would you prefer them to have the, the whole spring game thing? I, what did you think of that? One thing I could tell you I really would, uh, would prefer is that they would have a traditional spring game so the U of A can provide the statistics uh, because that was uh, not particularly fun having to try to figure out, okay, that was a three-yard run, write it down, and then I have to afterwards go look at all the play-by-play and tally it all up. It was, you know, it's like covering a high school football game where you don't have live statistics. So when you cover Arkansas football, cover football in the SEC, you get kind of spoiled when it comes to that kind of stuff. Um, but, uh, as far as the setup, I mean, it was the best of a worst case scenario. Uh, and it, it's not the first time they've had to move inside of the Walker pavilion back in 2017. They did that. Uh, people may remember that unfortunately as a spring game, uh, where Raleigh Williams, uh, suffered his career ending injury. Uh, that was, you know, a devastating blow to that year's team. Uh, luckily it doesn't seem like anything quite that severe happened in, in this scrimmage, although there was a little bit of a scare with Torian Carter. Uh, the defensive tackle went down, I think, after the third play. Um, but based on what Sam Pittman said afterwards, it doesn't sound like an ACL or anything that's going to cause him to miss any significant amount of time. Uh, but uh, so that was that was good. They came out relatively injury-free. Um, but, I mean, it was, it was kind of just like, oh, okay, whatever, uh, just because – the, the only people that were tackling were the third team offense and defense. So a bunch of guys, you know, that you probably aren't going to see very much of this season, all the ones and twos, uh, they thudded, uh, like Sam Pittman likes to say, where they don't tackle to the ground. They just kind of they hit and, and stop. Um, so it was, it was a little bit kind of like the running backs, for example, like rocket Sanders could have had way more rushing yards than he did but he didn't get the opportunity to break tackles and things like that. So that made statting it a little bit difficult. It not as entertaining in my opinion. Uh, they weren't really like moving the ball, you know, the full length of the field, uh, things like that. Cause they were just kind of, they shortened it up. They, I think they ran it from like the 35, uh, like kind of the offense is 35 going toward an end zone. And it, it, it just, it was, it was a weird setup, not your, your typical spring red, white game. And, but really, if you really think about it and you're being honest with yourself, spring games really don't tell you a whole lot. That's just one practice out of 15. And I think fans put way too much stock into it. Like it's the one thing that ever happened this spring. It's just it's just one data point of 15 and no no more or less significant than, than the other 14. Okay, well, I, I agree with you there, but also it's still something to talk about because football is king. So we're going to talk about football. So Hutch, you posted your uh, your key takeaways or your observations, like observations, takeaways from the screen, the spring scrimmage over at hogbeat.com. But Alex Trader, I want to ask you, you were also there. What were some of your takeaways, your observations that you had? Yeah, like Hutch said, it's tough to take much away from it because it is you're, you're thudding up. You're not seeing that contact from the guys who are going to be playing this, uh, this fall for the most part. You might see some third team guys be able to rise up if they're able to, to hit the weight room hard and, and maybe have some, some 
uh, luck go their ways to where they're able to, to find the field and then maybe stick. But the biggest hit we saw from those first and second teams was from a guy in a non-contact jersey, and that's Jalen Catalan. Um, he, he was able to knock a ball loose, which was kind of impressive. And we heard after that, that you know, he's been – told that he could be full go, but he's why take those hits if you don't have to. And I think that makes a lot of sense. And that seems like kind of what the staff was looking for in this game is why take the hits if you don't have to. Um, you, you didn't see much uh, in terms of the defense really getting, you saw them swarming to the ball, but you didn't really see too, too much after that. And that's by design. But one guy I was really, really impressed with was on the defense, and that's Drew Sanders. I mean, that, that guy out of Alabama, the, the transfer, is a, a stud at linebacker. He ran down Malik Hornsby, for God's sake. Um, it, it, not like a straight line cut, catch him from behind, but you're, you're beating a guy who usually never gets beat to that outside. Um, that's really, really promising for Michael Scher and that linebacker's unit. Um, and then you saw a lot of the guy that, that when we talked about who could make a big impact as a freshman um, this season, Jordan Crook was a guy that we all mentioned, and he was out there getting some serious reps and getting some praise after the game as well. So I, I think the defense really did show up in this scrimmage. You didn't see too many, even with the thudding, you didn't even see or you didn't see too many uh, broken plays for that for that defensive unit. Hutch, I know that you've been very impressed with Drew Sanders as well. You had a story, um, your spring superlatives. I don't want to give stuff away, but um, you wrote about Drew Sanders in there. So just what have you seen from him as well? Just a, a lot of athleticism. I mean, it, and this is this is absolutely no disrespect to Grant Morgan, who is maybe one of my favorite Razorbacks I've covered during my, my tenure covering, uh, covering Arkansas. Uh, because he was just he was undersized you know, didn't have the god-given abilities that you sometimes expected why he was a two-star walk-on uh, but he willed himself to become a second team all-american and a first team all-sec guy um, but that said drew sanders has those things that drew uh, that grant morgan didn't have he has the size he has the athleticism the speed uh, and that, that just really excites me. That's why I think it, you know, throw bumper pull in there. Who's back. And that could be a really salty uh, two linebacker duo there. And especially if you could throw in like a poop hall that, that comes on and develops as a redshirt freshman, that could be even an, a better group of linebackers. And last year's was really, really good. Maybe one of the more underrated groups uh, position groups in the country, in my opinion, and definitely the sec. So uh, that I, I really like what I've seen from Drew Sanders. Plus, I really like what I've heard from his teammates. I mean, we'll ask an open-ended question to offensive players, whether that be K.J. Jefferson, Trey Knox, whoever, and be like, hey, who on the defensive side of the ball is standing out to you? And almost every single one of them has said, Drew Sanders. Drew Sanders. He just – he's all over the field, and he's, he's tough to block is how uh, Trey Knox describes him. And so, to me – that that tells me a lot, and and that's why I'm I'm really excited to see what he looks like. You know, say in a real game where we can finally watch him tackle for the first time. So Sanders is a name that I heard a lot during spring ball, but another name, probably a name I heard more than any, was Rashad Dubinian. And this is from people on staff watching him at practice every day. And uh, Alex, I want to ask you, Dubinian. I mean. You've already got a pretty loaded running back room. Of course, Dominique Johnson hasn't really practiced at all this spring. He had offseason surgery, so he didn't have to compete with Dominique Johnson, but you're still looking at Rocket Sanders and A.J. Green, who are two guys that are going to play. So where do you see DeBinion fitting in? And, I mean, at some point, talent is, talent is worth a lot, and I think he's got a lot of talent. Yeah, you're certainly not hurting for it at that position um, if you're Arkansas. DeBinion – was really, really solid coming out of high school. You could tell watching his film, um, doing my recruiting roundup, it seemed every single week there was another Twitter highlight that, that had him, you know, jumping over a kid or running over a kid and taking it to the house. You can't necessarily teach that stuff. Um, so, so I think he'll certainly, you know, if he's able to keep up the solid spring he's had uh, and carry that into the fall and into the summer and continue to develop, then I think you're – you're definitely going to see him, you know, maybe another four-headed monster if you're Arkansas. Maybe he fills in that, that Traylon Smith role where you're not necessarily getting the bulk of the carries, but you're getting enough carries to make an impact and to, to give the defense a different look at the position because 
it's so hard to prepare to tackle to tackle uh even the the seven or eight nine ten skilled position guys that are going to be in a game every time you can add to that it's another wrinkle that the defense has to deal with and, and i think you know we saw last year the staff isn't afraid to use it kendall Bryles isn't afraid to use that wrinkle um and it could really help out arkansas in keeping those backs fresh as well okay um one thing that i think a lot of people want to hear um because everybody they people they love to hear um, your, your lists or the things that are coming out of spring ball. I mean, we talked about it, how basically what's going to come out of spring ball is not a lot because as Alex mentioned, you know, they're, they're not tackling as much. The contact is limited. So it's hard to tell what's going on. Hutch, you talked about how it's hard to keep stats because of that stuff, but what Hutch, where do you think Arkansas needs to improve between now and the start of the season? Cause you can always look at something and say, well, this position better get better because they need to they need to get that before the season starts. You look at after the season, we talked about defensive line. That's a position that they've got to improve at. So at this point, you've watched the spring scrimmage, you've watched the practices, Hutch. Where where do you think Arkansas really needs to improve between now and August? Yeah, I mean, I think defensive line is the obvious answer there, just because you know Sam Pittman hasn't even tried to hide the fact that they're still trying to pursue. Um, a couple of you know defensive tackles in the the transfer portal uh, they've got you know Jordan Dominic coming in from the portal you know Landon Jackson was able to start going through some individual drills at practice late in spring uh, but was nowhere close to being full go as he comes back from a torn ACL uh, suffered at LSU um, but I think the position right now that I've got my eye on the most close is is wide receiver um, you've got a lot of talent there I think that, uh, you know, Jaden Hazelwood, I think is going to be a very good player for Arkansas. I do. Um, but he was, he was kind of nursing a shoulder injury throughout the spring was never live. And we just never saw like those amazing, like, Holy cow, this guy's incredible type plays. And honestly, we didn't really see that from, from any of them. Uh, we saw flashes, but Warren Thompson, he, he, he did a really nice job of getting open and, you know, make, and, and where, you know, the quarterbacks could get him the ball, but he sometimes dropped it. You know, he struggled with some drops. Uh, Keytron Jackson is a guy that, you know, if you get the ball around him, he's probably going to catch it, but he also would have periods of, of practice where he would just completely disappear. I'd, I'd get through an entire practice and be like, well, was, was Keytron there? I didn't remember seeing him. And that's not a good sign if you're supposed to be a big time mega receiver. Cause that never happened with Traylon Burks. You know, you knew exactly where Traylon Burks was every practice. And honestly, it was like that with, uh, Trey Knox, whenever he was a freshman, he was like, oh, this guy's making plays all over the place. Um, and we just haven't really seen that with any of these wide receivers. None of them have really stepped up to fill that go-to role. Uh, I think they may have an issue of getting open sometimes, you know, getting off of, of press coverage and, and just finding ways to get open. Because there were so many times, you know, not just during the spring scrimmage that everyone saw, but in practice too, where the quarterbacks had to, to scramble because there was nowhere to throw the ball. Uh, when protection was solid, they just didn't have anywhere to, to throw it to. Um, and so I, I think that that's, that's my biggest concern right now. And I think there's you know more evidence of that in that Sam Pittman wants to go add another uh, transfer wide receiver from the portal. Uh, so I, it, it's, it's something to keep an eye on, but I'm not like ready to hit, you know, the, the major, major panic button on this, because again, they've got a ton of potential. Keetron Jackson, four-star recruit, Warren Thompson, four-star recruit, Jane Hazelwood, five-star recruit. Uh, I, I've liked what I've seen from Malik Hornsby. He's probably made the most wow plays at wide receiver of the entire group. Uh, so I, you've got talent. It's just a matter of them putting it all together and, and, and figuring it all out. Well, on, on the topic of Malik Hornsby, I, I, can we, I don't know if we can agree, but I feel like the position that we should be most confident in after spring ball is probably quarterback. I mean, K.J. Jefferson's your guy. Um, I mean, uh, Hudge, can you agree with that, or is there another position where you're like, I feel more confident here than I even do in K.J. Jefferson? With K.J., the concern is, is that he's a mobile quarterback in the SEC, and while he is a big dude and can run over people, you do leave yourself open for potential injuries, and I don't feel near as good about the depth at quarterback 
as I do at running back. I mean, Alex has already touched on this a little bit. That running back room is is loaded. I think it really could be a four-headed monster, like Alex said. I think Rashad DeBinion is going to command some carries as a true freshman. I think, uh, you know, we know what Dominic Johnson can do, and he didn't even get to go through spring ball because of an injury. Uh, Rocket Sanders, I believe, has improved. You know, he's, as, as Sam Pittman said, has become, you know, a hard runner evolved into a running back like he is actually he knows how to make reads and, and knows where he's supposed to run and take the ball uh, so I, I really think that that group is probably the strongest on the team because I think they have four bona fide SEC running backs with AJ Green being the fourth that uh, you know if one of those guys goes down god forbid they're gonna be okay I'm not ready to say that yet about the quarterback position as great as as, as KJ is he may be he may be the best player on the team. You can make a case for Bumper Pool, maybe make a case for Jalen Catalan, uh, but KJ Jefferson may be the most important player on the team, and I don't think that's particularly debatable. <laughs> well, I probably should have said, I mean, if we're saying nobody gets hurt, this is the position that we're most confident in. But either way, no, I, I, I think that you're right there. Before we wrap up the segment, though, I, I saw people on Twitter – um, and this, when you say you saw on Twitter, that's not a good way to start something, but I saw something on Twitter on Saturday during the spring scrimmage, people were able to watch it. And, uh, there were people saying like this, this Arkansas team, like they're a playoff football team, this they're so good. And it's just, can we all uh, together right now agree that you cannot say Arkansas is a playoff team off of one spring scrimmage inside of the indoor practice facility. Yeah, I mean, honestly, I saw some people saying the exact opposite, going, man, this team sucks. They're not going to win six games. So uh, it's a classic spring overreaction one way or the other. It's more, it's just going to confirm whatever you thought ahead of time. If you thought this was going to be a 10-win team, you come away thinking, oh, my God, this is definitely a 10-win team. If you think this team's going to struggle to make a bowl game, you come away thinking, man, this team might not make a bowl game. So uh, spring, it, it, it comes with overreaction. That's just part of it. Well, Alex, I know that you're a, a big hater of preseason rankings, so I'm sure that this this next little period until the start of the season, you're going to be, like, twitching in your, in, in your room. Yeah, I'll be checking out some spring games from different schools, trying to, trying to formulate my own rankings based on what I've seen. But um, I, I – the idea of preseason rankings are great, right? You get a week one matchup where, where it's number 10 Arkansas against number 12, 13 Cincinnati. It's a great, it's great in theory. And that's exactly why it's there. So that, so that the games can be promoted in that way, but it just doesn't, we, we have no idea what this Arkansas team is going to look like even covering it as closely as we do. We have no idea how they're going to stack up. It's not a done deal yet. We haven't seen, the new components come together on a field in that, in that game fashion. Um, and, and we certainly don't know, you know, the same thing about Cincinnati or the same thing about every other team in the country. So that's why you see teams rise in from, from not being ranked at the start of the season into that uh, top 10 at the end of the year, because you just don't know at this point. So I, I think, they're not going anywhere. And I understand that, but I do think, you know, when, when you beat a team that, that constantly gets ranked highly, like, like a Texas, like a, even, you know, for the last couple of years, Florida state finds themselves in, in the upper echelon of that, those rankings, despite not proving anything since they won a national championship or, or since they went to the playoff, um, it, it, you have to take it with a little bit of a grain of salt. All right. Well, we're going to wrap this up. So, uh, if you want any more information on what happened at spring practices during the spring scrimmage, go over to hogbeat.com. There's plenty more that we did not hit. Um, there's a lot of stories that Hush did. Alex did some stuff. Um, I did one story, so congratulations to me. Good job, Mason. And uh, go check all that out. It's, it's worth a subscription, and it's over at hogbeat.com. Okay, up next, we're going to talk some football recruiting here on the Hogbeat Hour. You're listening to the Hog Beat Hour with Andrew Hutchinson, Alex Trader, and Mason Choate on ESPN Arkansas on HitThatLine.com. Now, here's your host, Mason Choate. All right, we're back here on the Hog Beat Hour. Mason Choate, Andrew Hutchinson, and Alex Trader with you. Uh, so we talked spring game for football or spring scrimmage. It's I, I spring scrimmage. It was not a spring game. Um, now we got to talk some recruiting. So Arkansas gets a commitment. 
from four-star offensive tackle Luke Brown, Alex Trader. You did a film breakdown on him. Just what do you think of him um, from watching his film? I think it's a heck of a pickup for Sam Pittman and Cody Kennedy. Um, uh, you, you watch his film and what you see immediately, you can't miss it, is the physicality that he plays with. He, he goes out and every single play he's looking to put his, 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 his man on the ground. And, and that you need that nastiness if you want to be a, a top offensive lineman. You have to have that grit in that I'm, I don't only want to beat this guy in, in that I'm doing my job but I want to put him on the ground and make sure that, that he doesn't want to come back and try and challenge me the next play. And you see that a lot. Um, solid pass setting really where you saw his, spe his specialty in that film was the run blocking. So maybe you want to see a little bit more of those pass blocking highlights on the huddle. I know it's tough to get a pass blocking highlight um, th that gives the same effect as a pancake, but you, you want to see that, but in the run game, he gets, he gets off the ball very quickly has a low get off is able to drive into his opponent, get his hands on before you're even before the defender has a chance to react. It's really well, well taught football uh, from his coaches. I guess you want to say um, great technique on his part in that run blocking game. And he's able to physically dominate the competition. And you really, you do like to see that if you're a four-star lineman that, that they're dominating the kids they're playing at high school. So Brown is a Tennessee guy, and it looks like he had a pretty pretty good offer list. Hutch, what do you know about him? I mean, you, you wrote the story about his commitment. I'm sure you've looked into him a little bit. Tell us what you know. Yeah, I mean, a really impressive offer sheet. Uh, I can't remember off the top. I mean, several, several uh, Power 5 offers, SEC offers. I mean, there's a reason he's a four-star recruit on Rivals. Um, and that, that to me is that the biggest thing is we're, we're starting to see some Sam Pittman type offensive line recruits. These are the guys that I think maybe fans expected Arkansas to get right away when, when Sam Pittman took over. And I think that was maybe a little bit unrealistic just because you know, Arkansas was so bad whenever he took over, but now that they're starting to get some momentum on the field, you're starting to see it, you know, in recruiting as well. And, uh, the fact that Arkansas offered this kid back on, I want to say, March 5th, he came for a junior day. Arkansas extended the offer. At the time, he had like a top 10, top 12 list, and it didn't even have Arkansas in it. And Arkansas was able to make up that ground uh, very quickly, like about a month and a half later, and boom, he's committed. Uh, you saw that happen with uh, Carson Dean, the last commitment, a four-star linebacker. He visits gets an offer, and like two or three days later, he, he commits. Uh, that, that to me says a lot about this staff, how they're able to close on guys. Um, and plus, I do want to mention, this is the third four-star offensive lineman Arkansas has landed in the last in, – in four classes. Plus, they could add some more. You know, we've talked about Connor Stroh quite a bit. Uh, they're probably going to be in on some other offensive linemen, high-caliber high guys. Um, but three and four years, compared to the previous four years, uh, they landed exactly – zero um so and that was the co coincided with a time that sam Pittman was not here uh before that they landed several with, with sam Pittman as the offensive line coach so uh just just further evidence of arkansas improving on the uh on the recruiting trail so there's a story from an uh eric lammers the national recruiting analyst over at rivals you know he he's, he talked with brown and the, I thought it was really interesting. Brown said the opportunity for linemen is like no other in the country, and the future is bright in Arkansas, and he said, under Coach Pittman, I believe anything's possible. So I feel like that's that's the culture that we're, we're starting to know and we're starting to understand under Sam Pittman is these players are buying in big time, and it's turning in not only to the players that were already on the roster when he took over, but now it's these recruits that are coming in, and not just recruits like these high – High quality. We're talking about Luke Brown, a four-star offensive tackle, 6'6", 300 pounds, got offers from Georgia, Tennessee, Mississippi State, Ole Miss, Auburn. Like, this, this is a big-time recruit, and not only is he picking Arkansas because it's an SEC West team, he's picking Arkansas because he believes in Arkansas and he believes in Sam Pittman. How big is that, Hutch? Because we're looking at it three years ago. Arkansas was probably the worst Power 5 team in all of college football. There is no maybe about it. They were the worst power five team in college football and arguably one of the worst teams in the FBS. I mean, I don't need to remind everyone what happened when Arkansas played Colorado State 
played San Jose State, played Western Kentucky. Did not go well. It did not go well. So, uh, yeah, they, they, it's, it's taken some time to build it up, but uh, we're, we're starting to see kind of the, the fruits of Sam Pittman and his staff's labor uh, on the recruiting trail and, and also just on the field. I mean, nine wins last season. That was, that was pretty cool, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean, it, it was cool. It was good for business, so that's for sure. And uh, But, okay, so let's stick with recruiting. Alex, there's going to be some, some recruits on campus this weekend. Um, tell us the names, what you know about them. Yeah, so so starting off, you know, just he tweeted about 30 minutes ago, Tavion Galloway, the number seven tight end uh, per rivals in the 2024 class, rivals 250 guy, 5.8 four-star, just landed in Arkansas, and, and he tweeted out earlier this week that he'd be in town for a visit. That He's out of Ohio, so you have, um, I guess, Manny Powell, who, who ended up down in Fayetteville for his senior year. You might have that, that kind of similar trail going on, but – um, if there's one position you feel confident that Arkansas is going to be able to bring a guy in it, at this point right now, it has to be tight end given what we saw for 2023. Um, so, so you have to feel pretty good about Dow Loggins getting to meet with, with a rivals 250 guy today in the class of 2024. Um, also in that class, you have Peyton Pierce, who, who's a, a top linebacker in that class, really one of Arkansas's main targets. Uh, and, and he would be a massive guy to, to get in with as well um, and to be able to, to keep that relationship up and potentially make it into his top schools down the road. Um, and, and then, you know, you also have – you had a pretty good big quarterback last weekend in Jaden Rashada. We have another one in the 2023 class this weekend, uh, and that's Georgia quarterback Malachi Singleton um, has drawn, you know, Justin Fields comparisons and, and is from that same area as – as Justin Fields and Trevor Lawrence were, um, it, that would be a big pickup as well. Rated a 5.5 on rivals right now, um, but a lot of buzz around this kid in Arkansas seems really, really interested. Um, also worth noting, he's committing Monday, so he'll be in town Saturday, committing Monday. Um, you can go ahead and, and connect those dots however you may like, um, but but another big player in that, in that recruitment is uh, Gus Malzahn and UCF, so I, it's looking like those are two of his top schools right now. Um, there's no telling for sure. I did put a future cast in that you can go check out over at hogbeat.com for where I think Singleton's going to end up. Um, but, but right now we'll have uh, I, either way, wherever he ends up, that'll definitely be on our premium message board over at hogbeat. So go check that out. Um, also Arkansas did offer a defensive line transfer from Nebraska. Hutch, you, you were talking about that before the show. What do you know about that? Yeah. So it looks like they've offered a, a guy named Casey Rogers. He is a six, five, 295 pound defensive lineman. Uh, to me, that screams defensive tackle. And that's what Sam Pittman has said multiple times. They would like to go get. Uh, it's a guy that, uh, based on just some really quick research, it looks like he was maybe a projected starter at Nebraska, but that may have also just been because they have a severe lack of depth on the defensive line, just like Arkansas does. Um, and so it, it's, it may not be like a, a big-time major, you know, John Ridgeway-type defensive tackle, but honestly, based on what we've heard about, you know, Isaiah Nichols and, and Torian Carter during spring ball, those guys might be your top two guys and you may just need some depth. Uh, I think this guy would be some quality depth based on what I've read. Uh, but I don't know if he's one of those guys that you would count on, you know, saying, Hey, come in and, and start right away. I mean, he could surprise us who knows what, you know, the difference is between Arkansas and Nebraska and everything, but uh, that's kind of just my immediate, you know, first thoughts, you know, as I, you know, first start, you know, researching uh, this, this guy. All right. Well, uh, I think that'll wrap up our recruiting talk for football. And uh, up next, we're going to talk some more recruiting. But for basketball, some new rankings. Uh, Hogs are sitting pretty in the uh, 2022 rankings, as everybody knows. But the new rankings for rivals, at least, makes it a little bit more exciting. So we'll talk about that here on the Hogbeat Hour. You're listening to the Hogbeat Hour with Andrew Hutchinson, Alex Trader, and Mason Choate on ESPN Arkansas on HitThatLine.com. Now, here's your host, Mason Choate. Okay, we're back here on the Hogbeat Hour. We're going to talk some basketball recruiting this segment. So, Anthony Black, 
uh, becomes a five star in the final rivals 150 uh, for the 2022 class. And he officially signed with Arkansas on Wednesday. So the class is complete. Arkansas has three McDonald's all Americans, three, five stars, according to rivals. And uh, you just look at the rankings, Hutch, what really changed in the rankings for uh, these six recruits for Arkansas compared to what it was. I know that black picked up his fifth star and, uh, I believe Jordan Walsh fell, didn't he? Yeah, but there are, he's still a five-star. I think the biggest story is the fact that Anthony Black got that fifth star. That, that wasn't a, a given. I know other, other services already had him as a five-star, um, but on Rivals, he had been, I think, the highest-ranked four-star in the Rivals 150, which, you know, it's just like, come on, man. Like, let, let's get him bumped up to that five-star status. And sure enough, uh, he had a solid showing in the McDonald's All-American game, uh, and that, I think, helped him kind of get that boost uh, up to, I want to say, number 19. Uh, Jordan Walsh fell from, like, 19 to 24. Uh, so he stayed in the top 25, remained a five-star. Um, and But he's a guy that he didn't necessarily shine in the McDonald's All-American game, but he had a really good showing at the uh, Geico National Tournament where all, like, those prep schools like, you know, Montverde and uh, Oak Hill and Link Academy, like, where, where Jordan is, um, they all got together and played a big national tournament. And uh, they his Jordan Walsh's team finished runner-up, uh, and, and Walsh had a big tournament. Uh, so that was, that was good. Uh, that, that's really the biggest, most notable thing, other than the fact that uh, – Despite not really having much room, much anywhere to go, uh, Nick Smith Jr. has moved up in the rankings once again and is now the number two overall prospect in the 2022 class. Uh, makes him easily the most uh, the high, the highest ranked player of the rivals era to ever sign with Arkansas. He had been tied with Al Jefferson, who signed with Arkansas, never made it to campus because he got drafted in the NBA. Uh, but it, it, it just kind of shows you just how special of a player he is. I, I wrote a story about it on, on Hogbeat, and really the only guy you can really compare him to, you know, just all time. I mean, he's, he's number one in the recruiting era, but that only goes back to like 2003. He's the highest ranked player probably of all time, right up there with Corliss Williamson, who – some people, depending on who you talk to coming out of high school, had him number one or number two overall. Uh, the other guy that was in that contention, you might have heard of him, named Jason Kidd. Uh, so uh, that, that, that's pretty lofty, lofty uh, comparisons for him because we all know how Corliss Williamson did. I mean, won a national championship, finished runner-up another time. Uh, probably won't have an opportunity to do that because Nick Smith is probably a one-and-done guy, only get one year with him, but – if he could, if he could get Arkansas back to the Final Four, like I think some people's expectation is, then uh, he'll be he'll be mentioned in the same breath as as Corliss Williamson as an in-state kid who super highly talented, could have gone anywhere he wanted, stayed home and 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 led Arkansas to tremendous success on the court. So you had the opportunity to go watch Nick Smith play at least once. Um, for the people who haven't had the chance to watch him play and they just know his name, what does he provide to Arkansas coming into this next season? I mean, what, what kind of role do you see him playing? What kind of player is he? He's going to be a big-time player for Arkansas. I think that's, without a question, the, the case. He, he, he can score. He could score any – I mean, if his shot's not falling, like the one time I went and saw him play, his shot wasn't falling. I think he, made, I think he missed all of his um, – all of his three-point attempts, I want to say. Uh, but then in the Jordan Brand Classic, one of those All-American games he played in last week, I think he was five of seven from beyond the arc. So he's, he's fully capable of lighting it up from deep. Uh, he also has a nice mid-range game, and he can also get to the basket and, and finish around the rim or get fouled and go to the free-throw line where he has a really nice free-throw stroke as well. So uh, a, a really talented scorer, but probably the thing I was most impressed with by watching him play. This was when he was at North Little Rock uh, playing alongside um, uh, Khalil Ware, the other five-star kid going to Oregon. He was just kind of a floor general. Like he didn't really – he just never seems 
super frazzled. And this was a game where they, they fell behind early against North Fort Smith Northside, a team that they should not ever trail because they were not very good. And he just never really seems, you know, concerned. Like he was just very calm, cool, collected, uh, made some really nice passes, did what his team needed to do to get that lead. And it was very kind of very quiet. Like, I mean, you, you look up, they're down by six or seven. You look up a couple minutes later and they're up by 30. So that just kind of shows you that, that he's, just, he's, just, he's just playing on another level where it doesn't even look like he's trying that hard, but he, he puts up a, a really solid stat line. So uh, the, the other recruits don't really get much attention, and that's Darian Ford, Joseph Pinion, Barry Dunning Jr. Alex, does this maybe remind you kind of a little bit of the 2020 class? Maybe one of these guys can be a Devo Davis where he's kind of the odd man out, but he, he might come into Arkansas and, you know, make a difference and play some meaningful minutes because you look at it, according to rivals, Devo Davis was 129 in the 2020 class. K.K. Robinson, 65, Jalen Williams, 59, Moses Moody, 56. So um, of these three guys, Ford, Pinion, Dunning, is there one that you think might be able to have an impact, um, kind of like a Devo Davis in this class? I think I was really impressed. You know, I didn't get to see any of them play full game action. But once again, riding the roundup, you kind of see some of these, these stats come through. And I believe there was a game with Barry Dunning where he had like 27 rebounds and 20 plus points as well. Um, just really, you have to be so athletic to be able to do that on a basketball court against, against your peers. You know, I could go out there and maybe do that against my sister's uh, sister's fifth grade team, but to do it against, against people who are the same age as you, the same classification, it's really, really impressive. Um, I know him and Darian Ford both won Mr. Basketball. It, it really, I think any of these guys could break out Joseph opinion as well could break out and potentially be that guy to ha find a role on the team. I don't think any of these guys necessarily one and done's either. Um, so so you'll, you might have that time to figure it out and to be, be, say, Hey, you know, I'm going to be here freshman year. This team has the talent to get to um, arguably has the talent to get to a national championship. If I stay another year, then, then I could be one of those big pieces for, for that team. And I think there's always that potential um, um, especially when you're bringing in guys who are as talented as these three are. Okay, last thing. Um, I, I've seen that the uh, Imani Bates from Memphis, he's, uh, he's drawn interest from Arkansas. Hutch, you've got the numbers. I don't, I don't know if you have them pulled up right now, but I think you probably know the basics off the top of your head. Would it work for Arkansas to bring in one more transfer? I believe they'd have to have at least one or two more guys leave, right? Yeah, so basically right now, I think we talked about this on the last episode, uh, if Jalen Williams returns, someone else has to leave, whether that be uh, – I mean, basically you're down to Jackson Robinson, uh, Kamani Johnson, and Devo Davis. So one of those guys would have to leave, or one of these signees would have to be let out of their letter of in intent, uh, or one of these other transfers would not be able to come because there's just – there's not enough room. Uh, so I would be very surprised if a, a guy of, of Bates' stature, a guy who was a top one, two, or three players in the country, would want to come to a team like Arkansas where they've got so many incredible parts. I think he's, he's probably going to want to go somewhere where he can maybe be closer to the guy instead of a guy on the team. So, uh, and plus, I don't necessarily think, you know, I've, I've I mean, who knows how much of this is true, but I've read some stuff where he may have been a, uh, a locker room cancer. Uh, you know, he, Memphis kind of struggled uh, with him on the floor. So uh, I, don't, I don't know if he would be a guy you really want to bring in uh, to be a part of this group that you have such high lofty expectations. Okay. Um, well, that settles that. Andrew Hutchinson, basketball insider. He, uh, he confirmed on this podcast, said Imani Bates is a locker room cancer. So, uh, well, that's what I've, I've read. I don't know if that's the case, but that's what I've, I've read. It's okay. After this, I'm going to go clip that audio to make it sound like that. So it's fine. Um, anyways, that's, that's our basketball recruiting talk. And uh, for the first time in weeks, we get to talk Razorback baseball here on the Hogbeat Hour. So uh, Alex Trader, you're going to be gone. You don't know baseball. So have a good one. And uh, Hutch and I are going to talk baseball with you guys here 
uh, next on the Hogbeat Hour. You're listening to the Hogbeat Hour with Andrew Hutchinson, Alex Trader, and Mason Choate on ESPN Arkansas on HitThatLine.com. Now, here's your host, Mason Choate. Okay, Arkansas baseball. All right, we're back here on the Hog Beat Hour talking Razorback baseball for the first time in a long time. Uh, just a reminder, if, uh, if you miss anything Razorback baseball related or you just want more Razorback baseball content, you can go listen to the Diamond Hawks podcast. It is on the Hog Beat YouTube, and uh, you can listen to it there. Part of the Hit That Line podcast network as well. And uh, go listen to that. We have some great interviews with some former players, some current players. Andrew Hutchinson is a recurring guest, so we're going to have to have you back on at some point. Um, maybe when, like, there's some kind of TV issue, we'll have you on and you can rant some more. So, But as far as Arkansas baseball goes, they're coming off of a couple of uh, midweek wins over Arkansas State. Hutch, last time we talked Razorback baseball, I think that goes back to, like, right after the Kentucky series on this podcast. It might, do you remember that? I can't remember because there was such a, a bit, it was such a busy time with basketball going on and spring football. It was, it was a crazy, crazy time. And, uh, but it is good to finally be talking baseball again, because it does feel like it's been a, a really long time. Okay. So uh, as far as the midweek against Arkansas state goes, we're not going to, we're not going to go super in depth on this, but um, you look at it on Tuesday, they got four pitchers out there. Of course, I mean, Arkansas won 10 to one and then 10 to three, uh, but they got four pitchers out there. So Ramage, his second midweek start um, on Tuesday in a row. And then you got Tress, Adamiak, Nick Griffin. But I really liked what I saw from Will McIntyre on Wednesday. I mean, before last week, he hadn't pitched since 2020. What have you seen from Will McIntyre, Hutch? I mean, he's just gone out there and, and pitched. Like, he doesn't have the stuff that's probably going to wow you. Like, you know, like, a, you know, say a, a Jackson Wiggins or a, a Hagen Smith or even even as crazy as it sounds, a Cole Ramage. Like, you know, they don't – he doesn't have the elite data points, I don't think. But there's something to the ability to just be, go, be able to go out there and pitch. And, and it seems like that's what he's done. That seemed like what he did way back in 2020 before the pandemic hit. Uh, he was the, he actually started one of the last, uh, not the last game before the pandemic, but the game before that. And he threw like six and two thirds scoreless against a grand Canyon team. That was pretty good that year. So uh, he's a guy that, that just goes out there and, and gives you innings without really giving up runs. Uh, the thing that is a little bit weird is that back in 2020, whenever he pitched, his thing was he just threw strikes. I mean, just he pounded the strike zone and was going to get you, you know, outs or give up hits. This year he has walked quite a few batters. I think he walked four on uh, uh, in, against Arkansas State in four and two-thirds. As Dave Van Horn said after the game, that's just too many. Usually that's going to come back and bite you. It really – it only led to one run against Arkansas State, so he was able to work around it. He got a couple of double play balls and, and stuff like that. Uh, but the, they didn't seem too frustrated. And, I mean, there's a reason he let them go four and two-thirds innings despite those four walks is that usually those walks, it wasn't like he was going out there and walking a guy on four pitches nowhere close to the zone. He was just missing the, just missing the strike zone. I mean, there were a couple of full counts that, that ended up in walks, uh, things like that. So he's just a guy that is a, kind of knocking on the door of being a, a contributor. And uh, who knows? I mean, maybe he just contributes on the midweeks and, and continues getting better. He's a hard worker. I mean, he redshirted last year. You don't really see a whole lot of red shirts in college baseball, especially at the SEC level. Uh, so I think that kind of is a credit to him for, for working. He had a really good summer, I want to say, in the Northwoods League. Uh, he's a guy I could see having a role on this pitching staff maybe in uh, 2023 or, or beyond. So. Uh, a guy to watch and keep an eye on. I don't know how much he'll help this year, uh, but again, he he could surprise us all. Well, Dave Van Horn said that he's going to dress out for uh, the series against Texas A&M this weekend, and I believe that's the first time he's going to hit the road with the team this season. Um, you were then in the press conference. Can you confirm that for me? 
Yeah, so Dave said it's the first time he's traveled. I think he meant for an SEC series because uh, he didn't travel all last year. And then, of course, 2020, there were no SEC series. Uh, but apparently he did travel for the, uh, the event in Houston in 2020. Uh, I guess that's the Shriners Classic or whatever. Uh, he did travel for that. Uh, but he is, he's going to travel with the team. That doesn't necessarily mean he's going to be on the 27-man roster. Uh, Dave said they could travel, you know, 30 guys or something. Uh, you know, guys like, you know, uh, trying to think of who else he said, Mark Adamiak or Isaac Bracken. You know, those guys will probably all make the trip, but only a couple of those will be able to have a spot on the roster where they're eligible to pitch against the Aggies. Okay. Um, another one of the storylines from the midweek, and it's been a storyline the past two midweeks, is Brady Slavens. So Tuesday he goes four for five, had four RBI. He had a grand slam, so there you go. Three runs scored. But then you look at it Wednesday, he goes 0 for 4. Um, so, but Slavens as a whole, I, I put out a stat on Twitter since the Mississippi State series, he's hitting like 467. And he had like 24 RBI, I think. So he's been getting better, um, especially because he, he struggled for a while there. What have you seen from Slavens, Hutch? And do you think that Brady Slavens of last year is back, or do you think we're not there yet? Well, first, I want to make a point to, to mention this. And, and Mason, I know, had uh, class yesterday and was able to watch the whole game. Uh, Brady actually fouled off a pitch that came up and bounced off his face. Uh, and he actually had to come out of the game, uh, got replaced by Zach Gregory, uh, who didn't start, uh, because it, it, like, went off his, like, right eye and the doctors were looking at it. It didn't, doesn't look too bad. I don't know what kind of injury he has, maybe kind of a, a black eye. Uh, potentially but he was he was hurting uh, which was unfortunate because as you said he has been mashing lately and and I do think that this is the pre-injury Brady Slavens of 2021 because uh, people forget they just remember him at the end of the year in the postseason where he really struggled uh, but before that injury before he got hurt in the SEC tournament he was hitting 300 for the season and did really well against SEC competition hit a lot of home runs has a ton of power he would probably have way more home runs than he does now if it wasn't for the fact that Bahamas Stadium is positioned where the, the wind permanently blows in from right. Uh, if it hadn't been for that, he'd probably have double the home runs. Uh, so he, he is definitely hitting the ball hard. Plus, in Tuesday's game, it wasn't just the fact that he went four for five with a, a grand slam, which is great, but his three singles were to all different fields. I mean, he – he pulled a single, he hit a single up the middle, and he also had a, a single the other way. Plus, his grand slam was the other way. Uh, that, that's what you like to see from a hitter, an elite hitter, being able to use all fields and not just try to pull everything. So that's what I think happened to Brady when he went through those struggles against Kentucky and Missouri especially. He was just trying to swing as hard as he could and hit the ball as far as he could, and it just it didn't go well. He struck out like in 10 of 17 at-bats. So – uh, I think we're starting to see the Brady Slavens that we all uh, thought could be a, a high round draft hit. Yeah, I, I think that that's that is a it's very valuable for Arkansas. It's one of those bats that you needed to get going, especially here um, as you're hitting the second half of the season. You look at another bat you need to get going is probably Robert Moore. Um, he he's one of your guys who's going to be a first round draft pick um, likely. I mean, he's got to pick it up if he keeps playing like he is. He might drop, but um, you know the talent with Moore, so that's one of the big things in baseball is if the talent's there, then you're good. But let's look ahead to Texas A&M, Hutch. So this team is uh, – I believe they're 23-13 and 13 on the season. They've, they're 8-7 and seven in conference play. The past two midweeks they've beaten Texas State and Dallas Baptist, two ranked teams. And then last weekend they beat Georgia, who is a very good baseball team this season. So – it's a hot Texas A&M team. Arkansas is going down there to College Station. Uh, what are you expecting from this series? Because, I mean, Arkansas is going to get Texas A&M's best shot. Yeah, because Texas A&M is right on the verge of probably being a top 25 team. I don't think they're ranked in any of the polls this week. Uh, but if they win two out of three against an Arkansas team after winning that midweek game against Dallas Baptist, after a road series win at Georgia last weekend, they they will definitely be ranked if, if they could get it done. And so it's going to be a, a competitive series. As you mentioned, they are really playing well lately. They have a really good offense. I know we just saw a really good offense of LSU 
Um, but this is right up there with them. Uh, they, Jim Sloshnagel is in his first year at Texas A&M as a head coach, the former TCU head coach. Uh, he has rebuilt that program uh, with a lot of transfers. I mean, you look at up and down the lineup, I think Jack Moss leads them in batting average. That's an Arizona State transfer, whose name I had actually heard mentioned a little bit with Arkansas potentially uh, when he was in the portal, because I think he has some ties to the state. So maybe that'll be some extra motivation for him. They've got a, uh, I think their leading home run hitter is a transfer from UTSA. Uh, they've got a, I think a catcher maybe from Oregon State or something. They've got a pitcher transferred in from Texas Tech. Uh, so they've got a lot of, of transfers on this team, more so than probably most places. So going to be an interesting you know, matchup for Arkansas. It, it's going to be, in my eyes, I see it as kind of a, a strength-on-strength strength matchup because they have a really good offense. Arkansas has a really good pitching staff. Those two are going to be going head-to-head. And what may make the difference is kind of what the other part of your game does. You know, Texas A&M's pitching versus Arkansas's hitting. And I think that's where Arkansas maybe has the edge is that the, the potential for Arkansas's offense is there to be just as good as an LSU or a Texas A&M or any other team in the country. Uh, we just haven't seen it yet. You feel like they're going to eventually have a weekend where they put up 30 runs. I, I feel like that's going to happen at some point. Is it this weekend at Texas A&M? I don't know. Uh, Van Horn seems to think that the wind will be blowing out just by the way the, the Bluebell Park down there is, is positioned. And if that's the case, maybe we see that happen. But then again, that wind blowing out didn't seem to help against Florida a couple of weekends ago. No, it didn't. It did help Florida, though. There were a lot of home runs hit uh, by the Gators. But I, I at some point, it's it's got to no longer be the wind. I mean, it seems like the excuse all season has been, well, the wind, the wind, the wind. I don't know. At some point, your lineup is good, and they hit the ball no matter what. And, I mean, you can't really complain with Arkansas because they've won a lot of games. They're they're number three team in the country. So, um, it, it's just – I don't know. You're right. The, the lineup has not – or number four team, my bad. The, the lineup has not lived up to the expectation, but that's what happens when you come off of a 50-plus win season and your expectation is that high. So, as far as Arkansas goes, real quick before we end it, Hutch, just how are you feeling? How are you feeling about the team? You said the starting pitching is good. You feel like this team is living up to your preseason expectation? I mean, they've, they've actually exceeded my preseason expectation. If you look at it, I had nailed the first four SEC series, and I predicted them to lose the series against LSU, and all they did is went out there and swept the Tigers. So they're, they're exceeding my expectations. Uh, the offense is – has actually been better than last year statistically, uh, which is really surprising if you look at it. Um, but the pitching has been way better than I maybe expected. So maybe this team is maybe better built for the, the postseason. They don't have quite the home run hitting ability as, as you maybe expected them to, and definitely not as much as last year. But maybe that's a good thing. Maybe you don't have to rely on the long ball to score runs. They seem to be doing it in other ways. And that may be better suited. That plus starting pitchers who can give you six innings a, a, an outing uh, might might help you out in the postseason all right well it's a friday saturday sunday series against the aggies friday's game 7 30 on the sec network nationally televised congratulations andrew hutchinson and uh we will uh we'll talk about that one next week if you want more baseball coverage go to hogbeat.com we will have you covered because hogbeat does arkansas baseball coverage better than anybody and uh go listen to the diamond hawks podcast as well um but for that Thank you, Andrew Hutchinson. Thank you, Alex Trader. Thank you for listening to the Hogbeat Hour.